you would, in your Bibles, turn to Revelation 1, 1 to 11. It might be the passage for our consideration this morning. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, and to Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are thankful for the scriptures. We are thankful for the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Blessed we pray to our understanding. And if any, Lord, are not yet converted to the gospel, may this Lord be the day of his or her effectual calling. To the praise of the glory of your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. In the United States, Sabbath-keeping or Lord's Day observation has become a thing of the past, except perhaps in the Reformed community. Anymore, it is compared to that proverbial salmon swimming upstream against the tide. Now you've heard of Chick-fil-A, and I'm not advertising a restaurant here anymore that I am politicizing from the pulpit. It's a family-owned business. And from the day Shrimp Cafe started the company, he began from the get-go to apply biblically-based principles to managing his business. In other words, he kept the Lord's day. And other 
teachings of scripture, such as to worship God on this day. The first restaurant began in a suburban mall in Atlanta, and now there are 2,773 locations in the United States, and 13 in San Diego. And I've eaten a few of them. But guess what? They close on the Lord's Day. Have you ever heard of that before? They're not open on the Lord's Day, unlike another restaurant, which is, goes by the name Church, Churches. Sorry. It's what it is, right? And the blessing. They are debt-free, and they devote a percentage of their earnings toward community based projects. Probably not to mention also the tithings and offerings of the church where they attend. So if you're looking for work, try them. The true church is a Lord's Day church. I don't want to sound judgmental, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And in our passage, we have reason to believe this. When was the true church a Lord's Day church? From the very beginning, throughout all of time. From the time that God rested himself, as it says in Genesis 2.2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Is that not good enough? In the Decalogue, as it is called, the summary of all of God's laws, in verse 8, in Exodus 20, it says 28 through 11. Yes, it's good to turn there. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Having to do with the fourth Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There you go. Sabbath means rest. Holy means set it apart. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. You have plenty of time. God has given you the lion's share of the week. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do work, do any work. Thou, thy son, or thy daughter, thy master, maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Also, in this present time, according to our verse in question, Revelation 1.10, which I had read. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day. Now this already appeared in many of the early Christian writings of the church fathers, referring to Sunday, the day of the Lord's resurrection. Some have suggested that this is the day of the Lord being the judgment day. 
But the context does not support this. Because Lord is an adverb. Oh, I'm sorry, an adjective. In other words, it is modifying day, i.e., the Lord's day. Called in the Old Testament in Isaiah 58, my holy day. God says, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. In the 1599 Geneva Bible, it states, and I was ravished in spirit on the Lord's day. In the footnotes below, it explains what is meant. This is that holy ravishment expressed wherewith the prophets were ravished and being, as it were, carried out of the world, were conversant with God. John called it the Lord's Day, which Paul called the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16.2 After our Lord's resurrection, the Lord met with his disciples on the first day of the week. When he first appeared to Mary Magdalene and those women who went to adorn the body of our Lord and found him to be alive. And even after that, a week later, when he met with all the disciples but Thomas, and then, of course, with all of them, including Thomas, those were on the first day of the week, i.e., the Lord's day. And so, he, our Lord, set the pattern thereafter, here thereafter, here thereafter hereafter. As it said in Acts 27, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And also future, the Lord's Day observance has been the historical pattern for the church since the Bible. Particularly the Reformation, you had what were known as Sabbatarians, Sunday Sabbatarians became prevalent amongst both the continental and the English Protestants over that century in which the Reformation took place in the mid-1500s to the 1600s. And they appealed to the Word of God for their practice, which alone binds men's consciences. Not men, not the pastor or the elders, but the Word of God. The Lord's Day Observance Society in England was founded in 1831 to do that very thing, to observe the Lord's Day. As the Lord said in his declaration upon his ascension, he says, uh, he says, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the nations and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And though I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. In Great Britain today, they have what's called a Day One Christian's Ministry that lobbies for no work on Sunday. At least they're doing something about it. I don't know about us. But we did have one time these blue laws I'm not, not quite sure why they were called blue laws. Maybe you know. But they prohibited the sales of liquor 
but also stores being open on Sunday for business, especially in the South. And perhaps this Chick-fil-A is a carryover from the Moolahs, is my guess. And then finally we have, as far as time is concerned, eternity, where the heavenly pattern is set, set in the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, 9 and 10. In Hebrews 4, 9 and 10, we read, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, namely our Lord Jesus Christ, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And so the Father, as it were, rested in the creation of the triune God. And our Lord Jesus rested from his finished work on Calvary and in his resurrection from the dead. And so we have the premise for our rest. And where? Where is this to be observed? Throughout the whole world. In our passage, it speaks of the seven local congregations. In the book of Revelation, a seven, another seven, speaking of completeness, meaning to represent the Holy Catholic or Universal Church. As the Lord said to John in verse 11, and what thou seest, write in a book. That's what we have right here, right? And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor is. And of whom is this to be all about? Ourselves? Oh no. The Lord, the one we worship, described, he describes himself in verse 8 of Revelation 1, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Verse 11 saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And in verse 17, again reiterating himself. And I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And the keys. Not saving us. The Greek alphabet, Alpha, Omega, is inclusive of the whole Greek alphabet. Expresses God's fullness, comprehensiveness, and all inclusiveness. He is the source of all things and will bring all things to the ends that He has appointed. There are no loose strings that will unravel in the tapestry of redemption. From him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Whose day? As I said, the Lord's day. 
This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I feel like singing that right now. I can't resist that. Only because we are to hear the word of God. This is similar to the Lord's Supper found in 1 Corinthians 11, 20, which we would often read on those occasions of the Lord's Supper. And it means the same thing. What belongs to the Lord. This day belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you, nor to me. It is not family day. It is not your personal discretionary day to do your will. It is to do His will. Like it says, for example, in that passage that I alluded to earlier in Isaiah 58, which I'll read at this time. Isaiah 58. If thou turn away, verse 13, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Is that clear enough? We must not regard the Lord's Day as an, any ordinary day, although it is a one out of seven, which the Lord made. But we would not regard it any less than we would treat the Lord's Supper as a common day. The people who belong to the Lord gather for worship on the day belonging to the Lord. And that's why we're here. That's the main reason why we are here. We want to be here, yes, as was prayed earlier. We love to be with God's people. But the main reason is because God has called us to his worship. And we are the gathered church. And it is to be a meeting in the flesh, face to face. Now, granted, God is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But for your spirit to be here, you have to be here as a world. Our Lord said to his audience that he was correcting about the false notion of this day. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, meaning this is not a day to work your hands to the bone or to work others' hands to the bone or your, your, your beasts of burdens hands to the bone. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And then we come, may I say, to the most important reason of all, or the most important explanation of why the true church is a Lord's Day church. Why? Well, we set the day apart from the rest of the week in order to set God apart everyone else and everything else. That we are truly owning him as our all in all. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. I am the Lord thy God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I will have no other gods before me. 
The bottom of all of our problems, I believe, in America is not because of a deadly pandemic, nor the result of the vaccinations that are being imposed upon and mandated upon our culture or any other such thing. Those are but the symptoms of a deeper problem, and the, the problem is that we become worshipers of ourselves. And God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That God might set us apart for himself, that is what this day is about. And that is the benefit and effect that results when we are this mindset. He sets us apart by his word, as is indicated by his calling upon John to inscripturate this, to make it permanent, to make it a legacy that will be for the end of this life and even for eternity. In verse 11 of our passage in Revelation 1. And that also he sets us apart by his Holy Spirit. He says, I was in the Spirit. Meaning, I was made to be in the Spirit of the Lord on the Lord's day. And finally, that we may rest from our sins and not set our affections on our own profits and pleasures and pursuits. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. Living for Christ is what life is all about. Living and walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh is the way of those who are the way and the truth and the life. God said it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, as we read in Isaiah, for example, Isaiah 58. God said it. And that's it. Some say God said it. I believe and that makes it true. Oh no. It's true whether we believe it or not. Let God be true and every man a liar. End of discussion. When you begin to, to do this, become a Lord's Day observer, a Sabbath keeper, a Christian Sabbath keeper. I have to qualify that because the Sabbath day has been transformed into the Lord's Day by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. But when you begin to delight in the Lord, you will start to delight in this day and you will look forward to it, just like you do your quiet time and your family. Worship at the altar of prayer. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 38, asks, What does God require in the fourth commandment? Answer, in the first place, there are two places. In the first place, God wills that the ministry of the gospel and schools be maintained, and that I, especially on the day of rest, diligently attend church to learn the word of God. Is that why you're here? You want to learn the word of God? I know that's why you're here. I can see it in your faces. <laughs> to use the holy sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper and to call publicly upon the Lord. And that is that God's people 
public meetings with other people of like precious faith. In-house, in-person, face-to-face. Again, as the gathering church, he is the one gathering us. And then in the second place, that all the days of my life, I rest from my evil works. Allow the Lord to work in me by his spirit. And thus begin in this life the everlasting but for us to have that happen, we have to, as is said by our Samus and Olivia, Olivia allow the Lord to work in you. You can't allow the work, Lord to work in you when you're not letting him work in you. When you're about something else, then what is his will for you? I can say I, I have benefited from many years of this. Uh, I'm thankful from the day I became born again and was added to the church where I was for 25 years that this was the practice and I have no regrets whatsoever because it taught me and it caused me to be a more principled believer who desires to live for the Lord. That's the benefit. When you have fewer problems with employers who are trying to trample underfoot this thing. And you have, of course, those who are willing to take a stand to not open on Sunday. There are a few. I know a few others besides Chick-fil-A. And so, do the rest. And so an application. First, repent. Repent ye therefore, and be converted sins may be blotted out. And then refresh. And the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of reformation of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And then return. Like Isaiah says elsewhere in chapter 55. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God who will abundantly pardon. You want the forgiveness of God? You want to know and, and sense and, and feel and, and, and embrace that in a wholesome and more wholesome way? Let me tell you where a good starting point is, and that is how you regard this day. Because this is the first day, not only of the week, but the first day of the rest of your life. True church is the Lord's day church. I maintain that. I will maintain that to my last breath. I'm not judging people who aren't knowledgeable about this. I'm not judging people who don't observe and practice this. I, I know they're in ignorance, because I was once. But I'll tell you what, they will, they will know before the conversation is over the truth. The Lord's Day is the day of worship. I delight the Lord because he's delighting in you, as you are delighting him. Well, Father in heaven, how we are grateful to you for your great salvation. 
Now, Lord, you redeem not only our souls, but you redeem our life, our time. How we, Lord, structure and order our, our time. How we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that all these things might be added unto us. And we do so by beginning at the get-go of the week, at the place where it all began, and that is at the empty tomb of your resurrection. That we rose with our Lord in newness of life by his spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, that raises us mightily from death unto life, from being under the power of Satan, from being under the power of God. That we might have that inheritance among all of them that are sanctified in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you and thank you for this day. We do ask that you would bless us as we now, Lord, come to the conclusion of our worship. But Lord, certainly not of the Lord's day. But as we enjoy the rest of your day with you, O God's people, in Jesus' name, Amen. I do want to share one thing I read that I found really edifying, and that's uh, a quote from David Engelsma. You might be familiar with him. He wrote, uh, The Lord's Day in Revelation 1.10, I, John, was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. This one brief text is a mighty, a conclusive word of God for the whole Sabbath question. All by itself, it utterly refutes the position of the Seventh-day Adventism regarding the day of rest and worship for the New Testament church. What is of greater importance to us is that it clearly teaches that one day of the week, the day on which Jesus rose in glory, is a special day and must be specially observed by those who love the risen Lord. Even though it is certainly true that all the days of the week belong to Christ, nevertheless, it is also certainly true that one of them is the Lord's day in a unique sense. The church after the apostles say this from the very beginning. Ignatius, the most ancient church father, wrote, quote, let everyone that loveth Christ keep holy the first day of the week, the Lord's day, unquote.